And uh, joining me to take a look at the latest in uh, the marketplace in the world of money and power is uh, Makwe Masilela, who's the founder at Makwe Fund Managers and Chief Investment Officer uh, at uh, Makwe Fund Managers. Makwe, what's your name, bro? She does it, my auntie, and happy woman uh, to all the women out there. Mnandi Masweet, Mnandi Masweet. What did you do for the woman in your life, Makwe, today? She decided to leave me, you know. I'm alone at <laughs> home. She decided to what? Yeah, she decided to go with the kids. So if they were here, definitely I'll have done my best. You know me. Okay, all right. No, I caught you. I caught you, Makwe. I caught you. Well, it seems... Hey, brother, I know you. I know you. But it seems those who have been trying to do their best last week, who were telling us that uh, Unit 6 at Madupi is up. Uh, I mean, I even had Sikonati here on the show and Sikonati was saying, no, this is good. Finally, after design defects, cost overruns and whatever. But today yeah. we wake up to the news about Bexiche Medupizolo. What happened? You know, it, it will be very interesting, especially for some of us who are not uh, technical enough, to see that whatever that caused the fire, because they said they just want to make sure that the place, the place is secured, is clear, is safe for them to go in and do the investigation, that whatever mm -hmm. caused that blast, it's got nothing to do with all the design faults that have been made on the boiler, stuff like that, because we know as much as the threat is complete, the guys, they still have another 24 months or so to fix all those faulty designs, you know, before Madrid need to begin working to full capacity. So it will be very, very interesting that that is not the result of some of those faulty designs. And yes, it's mm. very certainly, you know, a project that's supposed to, that should have cost us only 80 billion and we ended up paying almost 234 billion mm. that we can have, I mean, <laughs> an explosion like that. I mean, we don't expect stuff like that when it comes to serious stuff mm. like that. But anyway, I guess let's give them a benefit of a doubt and wait for the report. But yeah, when it comes to the supply of our energy, it just confirms that I, I don't know what it will take for us to be certain mm. that at least we do have reliable supply of energy. And anyway, we're supposed to supply us for how many years? 50 years or so? Well, we hope. I mean, I, I, I don't know, Marco. I mean, I wasn't very good at uh, chemistry at school. Uh, but if I read what came out of the spokesperson, Sikonati Manchancha, saying this was caused by uh, activity to displace hydrogen with carbon dioxide and air, respectively. Um, and there was extensive damage to one of the generators of Unit 4. Um, and clearly an external leak has happened here. Now, all of that sounds Greek to me. But I guess the big question mark is what impact this is going to have on load shedding, what impact is this going to have on the generative capacity of South Africa? And, and that is why I think they need to simplify it for us, you know, and mm. tell us that does it have anything to do, you know, with all the faulty designs or not. And But load shedding, I'm not too worried. I mean, given that it's no longer that cold, at least, you know, that electricity oh, demand is no longer that, no longer that high. Hmm? It's not longer cold day in Joburg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is Agas. It's Agas. So I think even when it comes to Lodgeri, it don't be that bad because during this time of mm. the year, electricity demand is not that high. But anyway, for the fact that so far we have had how many hours, 650 hours of load shedding mm. just so far this year, we cannot afford to have more. I mean, not taking almost 27 days of load shedding just for this year. So whether it's going to be two hours or one hour of load shedding, I yeah. don't think as consumers, as the economy, we 
can afford anything of that nature. But we are just glad mm-hmm. that no one got uh, injured, and I think maybe lives matter more. Yeah, and you know what? What I guess you know for many people is is a major concern here. Um, is this idea, and I was saying it to Sukonati last week, it's like you take a car straight out of the dealership um, and you take mm. it straight to, you know, mechanic, or maybe Madbinsi to push mechanic or something like that, you know? Yeah, because it feels like that. I mean, you've been working on this thing since 2006, 2007. Yeah. By the yeah. time in Artifica commercial operation, there's already, you know, people that are working on mm. the mechanics of dealing with design defects, when this thing is supposed to be making sure we, we're not even troubled by load shedding. And I think that also explains maybe why the delay. That the truth be told, we think maybe we need a proper report. Probably all this whole thing that they've had so much, so many delays and overruns, probably some of the guys didn't know what they were doing. I mean, I'm, it's been delayed by how many years? The cost of our overruns by how many years? So yes, you are right mm. that whoever was building that particular car, it's not surprising that out of the dealership straight to the mechanic, that some of the guys who were working on it didn't do a proper job. And that will be very, very disappointing if we'll have cases like this going forward, especially after we've spent so much money. And remember, we also spend much money because the likes of Miduk and Kusile are the ones that has also been contributing to the high tariffs that we've been paying. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I mean, when you deal with something like this, Unit 4 um, is out for whatever issue. It trips up another unit, Unit 5. And we know last week we were told Unit 6 had just come on board. Uh, It does seem, I guess, the process of returning Unit 5 back into operation uh, is happening as we speak. And this is, you know, going to be seen as a short-term outage. Uh, But I I don't know, Makwe. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here, you know, looking at an ESCOM with massive debt, you know, massive capital expenditure they need to do in their transmission business in the next while. And that Achilles heel, that is their generation fleet, uh, some of which has to be decommissioned very quickly. Um, I mean, that's, that's probably our main headache for the next five years. You know, how do you decommission some of the older plant while some of the newer ones, which are, you know, I guess struggling along, crippled along, um, come on board and, and they service your grid at a time when you're losing some of your best customers? That's worrisome. You know, I mean, as you're saying that those guys that are good paying customers, they're moving away, getting out of your grid. But I think the announcement that they also made last week that they're trying to raise some capital billions to take the old power station to transform them into energy-friendly uh, uh, power stations, you know, and probably they will be able to raise money from the likes of the World Bank of this world that maybe the guys are moving away from coal. But that's another process. And also the guys are now that they'll also be looking, if not, I think it's either they're looking or they've already appointed transactional advisors when it comes to splitting ESCOM into three. So something seems to be happening. But yes, when it comes to debt, and that debt is supposed to be saving or you get help from your big customers, but the very big customers have been allowed that they can start generating their own, and maybe they might even be allowed to sell some of their own. So the very guys who are your loyal customers or good-paying customers might end up even be your competitors. I might be allowed to sell it. Sell it back to the grid? Yeah, if I yeah, if I've managed to generate access, then I might be able to sell it back. So I used to pay you X amount, not selling your electricity, then indirectly I also become your competitor in the long run. Yeah, Marco, what, what's the likelihood of getting green funds? 
I mean, I remember somebody saying one of the World Bank loans for ESCOM around 2009 or so. One of the conditions was that as they retrofit some of these coal-fired power stations, it was how far to reduce the emissions or something like that. Uh, and similarly, I think with the renewable investment, there's always been this talk of getting climate funds to finance the debt reduction at ESCOM and you know that restructuring. What is the likelihood of that happening? We do stand a very good chance to get those kind of funding because remember the guys have just moved away from financing coal, most of them. So now when it comes to this green fund, they're still looking for good projects. And truth be told, ESCOM is a nice person or a nice entity to give money because they're fully backed by the South African government. So. If I'm a fund, I've got that kind of a fund. I won't hesitate to fund the likes of them because I know, come what may, there's no way the guys will afford to default because they've got a big brother who happens to own them, which is our government. So, yes, they stand a very good chance to be able to raise those kind of funds. And we also remember, Aya, mm. these funds as well, they're looking for a home. These funds as well, they're sure. looking to be implemented somewhere so that they can start generating some returns. So we need each other mm. in a way, as long as we put forward a good proposal. Yeah. Makwe, I want us to pause here for a second. We take a quick spot break. And when we come back, uh, let's take a look at what's happening out in Mozambique. It does seem uh, Paul Kagame's troops alongside Philippe News's Mozambican army, have uh, warded off uh, some of the IS-linked rebels that are in that part of the world, and we'll take a look at that story. Twenty-one minutes it is after seven PM. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories, and uh, we have this discussion with the founder and chief investment officer at uh, Markwe Fund Managers, and that's Markwe Masilela. Markwe, interesting story here, which I guess might have implications for Total's project or Total, uh, their project out in Mozambique, uh, as uh, troops from the governments of Mozambique and Rwanda uh, retook a port town. Uh, the town of uh, Moshimboa, the Praia, uh, which is quite close to uh, Parma, where some of the operations of Total were. Um, and uh, it does seem, I guess, this might expedite the resumption of uh, Total's operations in that part of the world. Hopefully, I, you know, but for the fact that the rebels apparently didn't resist, so now experts are saying, hey, these guys probably are regrouping. They might come back with some guerrilla tactics. So I think the mm. likes of Total 
will just have to wait a little bit, you know, just to be certain that the area is safe again for them to continue to operate. But you are right, you know, the sooner they go back, the better, because I think they were uh, projecting to start exporting the first uh, uh, tons of uh, gas sometime in what, 2024 or so, and this is big money that we're talking about. I mean, it's not just going to help the economy of that country. Mm. We'll even benefit out of that, but I think maybe just too early, but for the fact that it was just the uh, Mozambican and the Rwandan uh, soldiers who managed to deal with those rebels. So the static guys apparently are not yet there. So probably when they arrive, they will deal with these other issues to make sure that the guys are not trying to regroup at the nearest villages. But the long and short, it will be good to see the likes of Total going back to start operating. So, so maybe let's, let's just, for the purposes of some of our listeners who might not be familiar with Total's operations in that part of the world, um, let's just talk to those briefly. And I'm also quite interested in why the SADAC response has come in so slowly in the context where we know there are also South African companies who have gas interests in that part of the world, um, including Sazol, which has you know, operations, I think, in the Namban province uh, in Mozambique. I mean, Sazol... <laughs> Total managed to buy a stake for almost 3.9 billion, you know, to be an operational stake. And then they invested and they'll be operating because of the case that had been discovered. But as I was saying, this project was almost 20 billion. It's a huge investment. And besides mm. that, we know that the people are trying to have an energy mix, you know, not just relying on uh, crude or just on uh, cold stuff like that and even back home here so hence we are happy when we see gas getting to be discovered and especially when it's not too far from us and bearing in mind that if our neighbor's economy starts picking up that will also remove some of the pressures from our own economy so hence we want to see the success of that but yes whether why is attack uh, soldiers took forever uh, it just tells you about us you know that we are very good at discussing things digesting this mm. The, the, the problem, but when it comes to the solution part of things, and by the way, Rwanda is not even part of SADC, but they managed to act on time, and here they are. They've just done what you call it, call it uh, easily the first phase mm-hmm. by removing the guys. But yes, I think it's everyone's case why SADC is taking forever, and us back home here, given that we also stand to benefit and our companies are also involved, we should have jumped quickly. Mm. And I think tomorrow only... I, I would ask well, you, Malcolm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, sorry. So you're saying tomorrow? The Botswana president was supposed to officially announce something only tomorrow. And tomorrow, the guys have already moved the guys. I don't know what mm. is going to be announcing tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I don't know what, what they're still going to be doing with that mission. But, but I'm, I'm interested for, you know, for the Kigali government, what would yes. be in their interest? I mean, if uh, President Paul Kagame sends a peacekeeping mission to Mozambique at a time when the regional body like SADC has not done so, I, I don't know of any country that goes and does these types of missions without any other economic benefit that might uh, accompany uh, I mm-hmm. guess securing the peace in this in this instance. Uh, from where you're sitting, what, what do you see on that score? Uh, yes, you are right. But you know what? Sometimes you just have to be give guys the benefit of a doubt. That sometimes people can give you a free lunch. Aya, it's not only that people help you because they want to benefit something. It's just that yes, we are used to the fact that 
maybe in the long run, the guys are trying to strengthen their relationship with Mozambique. They might not necessarily benefit from the very same project. There might be other things that maybe uh, Kigama wants to be doing with Mozambique. If I'm him, I'll only send the guys not to show that I want something on the specific project. But probably they have got some long-term plans, you know, that I know that if I've got a very good relationship with them, then they'll give me a, a, a listening ear whenever I come to them with whatever proposal. Mm. But yeah. It's easy for us to think that whenever you do something for I, it means you want something in return. But you do still get good people out there. I think that I is in trouble. He needs my right, help. Okay. I can just help him without expecting anything. But you are right. It's really, Marco? It does happen. I at least have some faith. It's not all good. Ah, no, but I mean, on a person-to-person <laughs> level, I can hear that. I can help you, ne? On a person-to-person yeah. level, Marco. Yeah. But I don't know if geopolitically that's what people do. Yes, the stability of your neighbor is important to you. Let's take South Africa for in case. Let's say we're not even a member of SADC, you know. Mm. The minute we see our neighbors being secure, being stable, indirectly you benefit because you don't have lots of people coming to your country. It lessens some of the burden. Yes, there is a benefit. It might not be direct. But, you know, sometimes you just want to see your neighbors also being in peace, prospering. And, okay, if Mozambique gets okay. to be back, where it's supposed to go? And the economy starts doing well. Don't maybe we think that uh, Rwanda might benefit buy Mozambique, buying stuff from them, or them starting to trade with them. And remember, we signed that Africa free mm. trade deal. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they don't, they might not I be having you. other intentions. I'm just saying there is this mm. other side, there is this possibility. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. What do you make of this? Now, I mean, I've always found lending markets in Nigeria quite interesting. Um, you know, they don't have uh, as much of a, I guess, active credit market as one might find here in South Africa. Interesting development, though, because um, it does seem a fintech player has now come into the space, um, a group called Move, raising 23 million US dollars to finance Uber drivers who need vehicles in Nigeria, Ghana and South Africa. What's happening here? I think that's a good move, you know, and it has to be announced on the very same day that we've seen Uber International themselves. They've raised raised a debt of almost 1.5 billion US dollars because they're trying to diversify as well into trucks or into logistics as well. But yes, it's a very nice move given that but the problem here is if you look at that interest rate that will be charging the guys, all well and good that they require 5% deposit. But hey, interest rate of anything between 5 and 13%, I, our prime lending rate is at 7%. So if it happens that they charge you 13%, you know, it's almost double, you know. We have never seen something like that. And I promise you, if that's the agreement, if that's the terms and conditions, then I think anyone can give them that kind of money because I'll just be making super profit if I'm going to get a return mm. of anything around 18%, you know. But yeah, I think for the Uber drivers, for the fact that they're encouraging uh, electric vehicles and all hybrid cars, I think that's good for our, what do you call it, for our environment. Mm, mm. And then a last one, Mark Webb, before I let you go, it seems our friends at ETV uh, I guess uh, follow hot on the tracks of the public broadcaster, which signed a deal with uh, Telcom uh, not so long ago. They are now signing a deal with MTN to provide, uh, yeah, I guess uh, e-video on demand, online streaming, uh, the type of content, I guess, that uh, people, you know, watch on demand on uh, many of their mobile devices. 
I think that's a very good market, and given the penetration rate of the existing guys already at almost 4%, you compare that at least to our emerging markets, and the Asian markets, I mean, they've got a penetration rate of whatever, 30 34%, so I think that's the right move going forward. And I think people now are at a point where they want to have control of whatever that they're doing. They don't just have to wait for programs to happen at whatever time. And for the fact that MTN, they will also probably be looking at specific data bundles, you know, for this kind of streaming. That's also a good thing for MTN themselves. And and maybe, I mean, just a last one on that, on that particular one. I understand it with, um, you know, multi-choice, just as an aggregator of content and a massive platform power, and similarly with the public broadcaster, where you can draw, I guess, on hours and hours of archive and uh, multi-platform, you know, spaces. I'm not sure I see the same thing with, I guess, the free-to-air channel ETV. Not yet, but that will encourage them to start producing more. You might not be having enough, but going forward, they've got all the reasons and the money to start producing more. And we've just seen, I mean, these channels which are locally focused, they're doing so well so far, you know, and they've been around for less than five years or so. So there's a space that people are looking for local stories, and we've seen it is just picking up. So yes, currently they might not, but going forward, with the money, with the demand out there, I don't see why they won't they go forward and try to produce more of the local content. And by the way, local content is a start, so they will expand to going forward. Hey, Makwe, Makwe Masilela there, Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break now. Uh, you can send through your voice notes on 079-191-4270, 079-191-4270. We take a brief break. When we come back, Itumeleng Mafat is my guest.